This is the uh, daily lectionary comments for this Saturday after Pentecost. First numbers, 32. Uh, Reuben and Gad, two of the tribes, suggest they might not participate in the conquest of the Holy Land. And Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 1, the empty tomb. Numbers 32. We are continuing to wrap up. Uh, the people's activities in preparation to cross into the promised land. We're also wrapping up our, our reading of the book of Numbers. Um, tomorrow is Trinity Sunday, and uh, that w- uh, we will be reading the last chapter in, in the book of Numbers. After that, we're going to jump in, in your, if you're using the, the um, uh, Christian prayer book, uh, Treasury of, of Daily Prayer, um, what you want to do is skip from Trinity Sunday. You read the devotion for Trinity Sunday, and then you will skip to the devotion for January uh, for uh, June the fifth. And from now on, for a long time, we're just going to be following the dates. But you're going to be jumping there, and that will take you to the beginning of Proverbs. So we're going to go from Numbers to Proverbs, and then uh, later on we will come back to Joshua. I'll talk a little bit tomorrow about Deuteronomy because we're skipping Deuteronomy. We'll come back to it much, much later. But I want you to know where Deuteronomy fits with the rest of the books of Moses and what kind of a book that is. Okay, let's talk very briefly about what's happening in in this uh, devotion today. Reuben and Gad are two of, of the 12 tribes, and they have found the land east of the Jordan to be uh, uh, quite agreeable to them. They have livestock and this is good grazing land. And so they don't particularly need to go over the Jordan River and, and conquer the rest of Canaan. They'd like to stay right here and they approach Moses and they say that very thing. We, we, don't, we don't want to go across the Jordan. We want to stay right here. We're comfortable. This is good land for us. Moses gets alarmed. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One reason why Moses gets alarmed at this suggestion is he thinks that this might have a dispiriting uh, effect on the other 10 tribes. Remember what happened when the spies went up into into the promised land and then returned and uh, and it was a bad report and uh, and then the people got discouraged and nobody would go up into the promised land and that cost the people of God 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Moses is concerned that if the two of the tribes bail on, on, on the conquest now, the other 10 might lose heart and we might be another 40 years in the wilderness. He doesn't say that, but I mean, you know, he's worried about that. The other thing he's worried about is, uh, although this is not in the reading here, uh, there, there is a, a, a whiff in Moses's view, there is a whiff of rebellion in the air. Reuben was one of the ringleaders in Korah's rebellion back in Numbers chapter 16. And he's wondering whether perhaps we're going to have part two of that. Now, Reuben and Gad assure uh, Moses, essentially, to make a deal privately. We will, our, our, all of our armed men will go with, uh, with the rest of the tribes. We will cross over the Jordan River and we will fight with those armies uh, and, and subdue the land to the west of the Jordan River. And Moses says, if you do that, you can leave your, your families and your livestock and so on here uh, to the east of the Jordan. But the armed men have to go with the others and fight for your brothers until the land that God has given us is subdued. Then once the fighting is over, then the men can return, go back across 
to uh, the east side of the Jordan River and settle here, and that will be fine. And they make this agreement, they will do that. And it turns out that uh, Reuben and Gad did set up shop uh, in, in their, their tribal lands there in what's called the Transjordan to the, um, uh, to the east of the Jordan River. Most of the other tribes were to the west. So uh, that's what's happening here. And uh, not much really more to say about that. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about, um, about Moses and Deuteronomy uh, in tomorrow's uh, devotion, which deals with the, um, with the last chapter, uh, chapter 35 of Numbers. This is Luke uh, chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. We're going to be looking at um, the empty tomb here. You know, uh, just a, a beautiful little aspect of this passage is a little word you may hardly even have noticed. Yesterday's reading was a long and difficult reading relating and recounting the, the, um, the crucifixion and death of Jesus. And it finishes with Jesus being uh, laid in the tomb and then a note about the Sabbath day. The 24th chapter of Luke, the last chapter in this gospel, begins the resurrection account with the word, but. It is a wonderful way to begin such a wonderful story as the resurrection, but. The truth of the matter is, the resurrection does put a but on everything else that happens in life. Everything that had happened up to that time took an enormous turn because of what just happened on this Easter morning. However bad it was, however grim it may have seemed, however unjust and horrible, this word but turns it all on its head. But guess what happened next? For us Christians, we need to have the same understanding that there is a but in our lives too. No matter how bad things get, how miserable our lives may become, no matter how many dreams may not be fulfilled, there is always this but, and that is that we too will rise. So whatever our life looks like here, um, the fact of the matter is uh, we're going to rise again, and there's a but, and then we rise again, and then everything else gets turned on its head. So the start of this is just wonderful. But, nevertheless, uh, the story of the resurrection in Luke uh, has the women finding the tomb uh, empty and a couple of angels uh, proclaim to them basically the good news. He's not here. He's risen like he told you he would do. And the women go back and tell the, the other apostles. And the text is very clear that the other apostles did not believe what they said. They thought it was nonsense. And, and so you have, you have that um, in verse 11, they did not believe. In verse 17, we are introduced to another pair. Uh, these are a couple on the road to Emmaus, you know, a few miles away from, from Jerusalem. And they meet a man, and this man turns out to be Jesus, but they don't know it. And the text makes it very clear that, well, he asked them, this man, Jesus asked them, well, what, what are you talking about? And, and, and they say, well, don't you know? And they stood still, it says, looking sad. Well, again, there's irony here, but there's also a, a, a profound comment on sort of the attitudes of the apostles 
and all the other believers, these, these two probably were one of the 72 that Jesus went, sent out, but he wasn't, they weren't one of the 12. They're sad because they had thought that Jesus would be the one, you know, who would redeem Israel. And, you know, the subtext is apparently not because look what happened to him. And isn't it sad? We see that in the gospel accounts, the resurrection truly and indeed was not expected. And you might say, well, that's amazing because Jesus kept telling them that he would rise again, but it just wasn't penetrating their heads. You know, the Old Testament doesn't exactly prepare us to expect a resurrection. It tells us a lot about the character of Jesus and the things that he would do in the kingdom that he would bring. It even tells us about how he would suffer. But the resurrection is harder to tease out of the Old Testament. The resurrection at the end of the world, that you can see. But that the Messiah himself, the Christ himself, would rise, uh, uh, you know, is, is, not, is not an obvious thing. The Jews did not expect that. And clearly the apostles didn't expect it either. Uh, and so finding the tomb empty, they did not immediately jump to the conclusion that it just, it's just as what was prophesied. He's, he's risen. This makes it all the more difficult to explain what happened if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. He must have risen from the dead because there's no other explanation for how people who truly were not expecting this would have turned on a dime to embrace entirely as the centerpiece of their message something that prior to this they had had no idea about. Tomorrow we'll take up the end of the Gospel of Luke and I'll talk a little bit about the Gospel of Luke as a whole.